Hello and welcome to the Suburban Socialist Podcast. Today is Thursday, March 22nd, 2018, and let's begin with the story of Donald Trump and collusion with Russia. So the story has been a long time coming. We've had different things happening, different changes in the White House, and it all seems like we have the pieces in place to warrant potential collusion or obstruction of justice with the Russian government. But how do we get to a point where we can say for fact, without a shadow of a doubt, that there was collusion? That is the question being posed. Where do we draw the line? And will it really permeate through our society? Because the Republicans and the right have created an apparatus around themselves. They have made it their effort to disregard any news that dissents from Trump's opinions, declaring it fake news. This has created a, a culture where if the president says something is fake news, Fox will immediately declare it fake news as well, and they will disregard anything relating to the story. This is dangerous because when or if Trump is indicted or if is he is uh, found to be colluding, if there was proof of collusion, the right will not be so quick to believe this because they'll just say it's all fake news because Donald Trump says it's fake news and therefore it is correct. This is a problem because it's clear to everyone else that there was in fact collusion and most likely there was obstruction of justice beginning from the firing of James Comey all the way back in the beginning of his administration. And yet here we are all the way a year into his administration, and he's still in office, he still hasn't been impeached, and we've just felt like we've gotten closer and closer to the potential of impeachment, but we still have not gotten to a point where we can prove that there was. Now let's turn our attention to the potential meeting of Donald Trump with Kim Jong-un. This is a very interesting dynamic because Donald Trump is... Somebody who is likes to talk big. He likes to talk the big game, talk to talk, very much the TV personality in him. But when he meets with Don, with Kim Jong-un, rather, he is meeting with another person who is just as in- unstable as he is. How this will affect talks, we have yet to see. We can only speculate at this point. We can hope that this will go somewhere good. We can hope and we can uh, pray that this will only have beneficial effects for both sides, for all sides. But I am doubtful because Donald Trump is not somebody who seems to be very willing to negotiate or give up at all. He's too stubborn. If this were any president, other president, this wouldn't be as much of a problem. Obama would have not been as much of a problem. Bill Clinton would not have been as much of a problem. However, it is also their faults that we are at this point. It's interesting because you could say that Trump is the reason why 
that Kim Jong-un is deciding that he wants to meet with the president of the United States. But is that necessarily a good thing? Yes, he's opened up communication lines in Kim Jong-un has in a very shallow way so far, but it's better than nothing. This is more progress than we've gotten with the Obama administration or with the Bush administration. This has been a problem for years, for decades, and this divide has permeated through the culture of South Korea and North Korea. The situation on the Korean Peninsula is the only remnant left from the Korean War, a time when two large powers were able to replace one power in the Korean Peninsula and take control. Neither side, the USSR or the United States, had any right to be in Korea and involved in the Korean affairs. Korea would have been better off if it were able to choose its own ideology. But instead, the West and the USSR had to impose its views on the Korean people, and they didn't get a choice. Yes, the South was technically better than being under Japanese rule because there was the removal of comfort women and the disgusting brothels that occurred under the Japanese. However, it led to the deaths of thousands of Koreans on both sides because of an ideological war between two larger powers that Korea was forced to be ruled by. Japan was bad, let's be honest. The United States was not much better. The United States left Korea alone just to its own devices, and in its absence, Korea became extremely unstable. For a very long time, Korea had regime change after regime change after regime change because they couldn't find a stable system to work under. For years, the North was actually the thriving country in the Korean Peninsula. This was all because of the Japanese and the United States. However, I would like to think that the Japanese are more responsible because they took the economy of Korea and destroyed it and manipulated it so that the Japanese would prosper. Now, technically, Japan was nuked in the end of the Second World War. And they had to rebuild as well from nothing. But I believe that the Japanese were helped a lot more than the Koreans. After the Korean War ended, they just left. But the United States decided to help Japan. Yes, this was because they nuked Japan, something which is in of itself is awful. But Korea should have been helped too as should have Vietnam and all the other places that America have, has invaded over the years. Korea, unfortunately, now is just the forgotten country in many respects. It falls behind Japan in a lot of ways. And, it and so the relationship then, getting back to the topic here, is very interesting because of the way that Trump is planning to handle this situation and the way other past administrations have handled North Korea. All of them have been inadequate. All of them have been flawed, imperfect, and ineffective in their own ways. The Trump strategy 
has yet to be seen. We have yet to see whether or not this so-called strategy will have any merits or benefits for the Korean people at all. Trump, of course, is America first. And so it seems that he will probably only do something that benefits the United States and not our very important allies in the south of the Korean Peninsula. Further complicating the matter is the fact that Trump wants South Korea to pay for the THAAD, which is the uh, defense system that the South would be using against a potential North Korean nuke or any other kind of missile heading its way. This is insanity because the price tag for this is $1.5 billion. Billion with a B. Yes, that is insane. Any other administration would not do something as ludicrous as this, expecting a country to be able to pay a billion dollars and still expect to have good relations between the two countries. It's insanity. It's ridiculous. And yet, Trump still wants South Korea to pay for this. It's crazy. Why would they have to do this? Why should they be able to? This is a U.S. weapon on South Korean territory that South Korea would have to pay for. That makes the relationship between South Korea and a crucial ally in this conflict and a crucial piece in any potential future negotiations we have with the North. This should be something that should be overlooked because the South is such an important ally to us. Now let's move on to the uh, election in Russia, which of course was a complete sham to begin with. It was a non-starter. Putin was going to win. Everybody knew that. Journalists knew it. Media knew it in the United States. No one was surprised by the outcome. Putin won again. He's serving for another six years in Russia as president, of course. And Trump congratulated him against the advice of his own staff. That is very suspicious. It was the one thing he was told not to do by his administration. Or by his staffers, I mean. And yet, he did it anyway. Why? Collusion. He likes Russia. Very simple. He said it himself. He's a fan of Putin. He's a fan of a lot of other dictators. And so, of course, he did this. Putin, of course, is also seemingly a fan of Donald Trump's. It's very clear. It's very obvious. It's a very warm relationship. Hopefully, for him, I guess. But for the rest of us, it's scary. Because he is, he is aligning himself with somebody who has poisoned two people in Great Britain. Two former Russian spies and family members. And he has hacked into our electrical grid, the Kremlin, Russian spies, whomever it might be. And have now apparently have control over our electrical grid in the United States and can turn it off at will. That should be a huge red flag huge red flag they could be able to turn off our power at will that should be a red flag not to mention that russia has had a history in attempting to meddle in elections in europe as well putin clearly is trying 
to destroy the sovereignty of other nations to be more Putin-friendly for whatever purpose. We don't know why he's doing this, but we do know that he is in fact doing this, and we know that the Trump administration is very hesitant to say anything definitively against Russia. He has had staff members who have been fired for speaking in a way that's harsh and critical of Russia. I mean, it can't be a coincidence that these people have been fired very close to when they had spoken out against Russia in the harshest terms, using the harshest words they could have possibly used, and then the Trump administration happens to go and fire them uh, afterward. That can't be a coincidence, right? To any sane person, there's absolutely a link between the two. So today, being the 22nd, is very significant because we're getting closer and closer to the uh, planned march. Um, this march was planned by the uh, the survivors, rather, of the um, Parkland shooting. It's planned to have hundred, a couple hundred thousand people coming out uh, and ensuring that Congress can hear the voices of the people who are trying to stop gun violence. We don't want extermination of all guns. We're not trying to take your guns away. We just want common sense background checks at the very least. We want to make sure that kids feel safe in their own schools. I can say for, with certainty that it is scary sometimes following a shooting because we don't know if we could be the next school. In fact, in Clarksburg High School, there was a very close uh, call. Students should not have to feel this way. Kids should not have to fear going to school and not coming back, never seeing their parents again or their loved ones or their friends. We should feel safe in our schools. Yet Congress doesn't seem to think so. They don't seem to think that it's a problem. They think that Army teachers is a solution to a problem. It's not. It just is not. Everyone I have talked to has said that they are against this because it makes no sense for a variety of reasons. One, it's not safe. A kid could potentially just take the gun away from a teacher if they want to shoot up a school. And the guns are in school. And they're accessible. And there's a lot of them because in certain schools where there's a lot of people and there are a lot of teachers, that will mean a lot of guns, which means a hazard. Not to mention administration and principals having guns and security guards. That would equal a lot of guns in school. That should, that is actually dangerous. That is very dangerous. To mention that some guns have uh, bump stocks on them, which could potentially create uh, a semi-automatic gun. Which, of course, is dangerous because that could mean more deaths. Very simple. Yet, again, Congress is very hesitant to act, most likely because of the NRA. Extremists in the NRA, that is. Because, overall, everyone is for gun safety, gun control. Not taking away guns, gun control, gun safety. Even NRA members along with the vast majority of Americans. What's stopping common sense background checks? Closing the gun show loopholes? 
what's stopping it? Money, of course. Republicans get a lot of money from the NRA. Therefore, they are not willing to talk about gun control at all. They're talking about army teachers. They're talking about mental health. Well, if you want to make it about mental health, then make it about mental health. Raise awareness for mental health. Maybe don't put people that are mentally ill in jail. Maybe a more sensible solution is rehabilitating people with mental health issues. Now, I'm not any kind of mental health expert, but to me, this seems like a more logical solution than putting them in prison. Prison is not a place for mentally ill people. It's not going to help them in any way. It's only going to make them feel worse about themselves, which is only going to accelerate the problem. It's going to only create more problems. Instead, help them. Maybe social services could help because that's their job. In fact, the Parkland shooter, there was clear red flags there, and yet social services didn't do anything about it. Nothing. They just let this person just live mentally unhealthy doing nothing about it just waiting to see if something happened clearly this is preventable and we should do something to prevent it however congress would like to say along with the republicans would like to make it about mental health quote unquote but do nothing about actual helping actually helping people that are mentally ill. They'd rather just have some kind of shallow gesture that's meaningless and go back to business as usual. Shame on you. That's the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Goodbye.